All right. It's a great day to be at Destiny. This is going to be good for us this morning. But first, let me encourage you, if you missed last week's message and you're plugged in and this is your home church, um, track last week's message down and listen to that. This series is all about, about us making this shift, this turn relationally, and I think it's really important for us. And I want us all to hear from Scripture why we're making kind of this turn that we're making. And another reason, two reasons actually, is that number one, it was this, this kind of shift into relational, um, you know, small group culture. It was the number one identified area by the leaders um, of the church and by the district of the, um, uh, in our region when they came in and were helping us during the assessment and the transition last fall. And it was the number one thing when we did the chat survey, when we heard from you and we got your input, it was the number one expressed area of need. Third factor, if we want to add that in, it was already stirring, Holy Spirit had already stirred it in um, Pastor Deanna's heart and my heart before we even got here. And so um, this is, I think this is important. And uh, so I want you to listen to last week's message. If you missed that, uh, take some time to do that this week. The easiest way is to visit our website, go to mydestiny.family forward slash sermons. Um, and from there you can watch or listen or stream or do the podcast thing, whichever is the easiest and best option for you. Um, let's go ahead and let's stand and read our key scripture for today. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And I'll read it to you this morning. It says, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray uh, that you would speak this morning. Louder than anything I have to say, Lord, I just ask that you would speak through me. Um, just anoint this time, anoint our ears to hear. In your mighty name we pray, amen. And amen. All right. So before we get too far, I want to give you just a snippet from step two of the Finding Your Destiny growth track um, that uh, happens every Wednesday night um, over in the other building, which focuses in a little bit on what connect groups are going to look like at Destiny. So if you haven't attended yet, and uh, I want to just make a personal invite for you to attend. You can jump in anytime. It's a series of three classes that meet every second, third, and fourth Wednesday. Um, to find out all about who Destiny is, what we believe, how to connect with what's going on, how to connect with others, you know, discover um, your personality type, your spiritual gifts, and how to plug into serving and ministry here at Destiny. So there's a lot of stuff we cover in those three weeks. Um, but it's, all, it's also our new process for membership. So if you're interested in that, um, I'd encourage you to just come out. Um, and you don't need to be interested in membership. You're still encouraged to come. Um, it's, it's great. I, I think membership is great, and I think you should be a member. But, <laughs> but I should say that. <laughs> but it's great if you're new here or if you've been here, you've been around a while, and you want to find out more and plug in. So I highly recommend it. Anyway, step two, which is what we're going to be on this Wednesday, focuses in a bit on connect groups for, the part, for this part of the class. And I want to highlight just a little snippet from that this morning. This little section that I'm pulling in um, is called Four Things to Know About Destiny's Connect Groups, which are doing a big launch coming into in March. First thing is this, our groups are free market. So what does that mean? We want, to, we want people to gather together based on things that they, 
they're already doing, that they enjoy, things that are important to them already. Essentially, the things that you're already doing in life, um, the things that we want to make up our connect groups. Um, so that could be anything from sports groups to, to lunch groups to parenting groups to student groups, Bible study groups, creative arts groups, discussions on the, the weekend message groups. We want our groups to be as varied as we are. Um, of course, Jesus is going to be at the center of all of that. That's what keeps it different from being a country club. Um, but we, we want them to be as, as varied as you are. The second thing, there will be three semesters every year. Life flows in seasons, and we want to make it easy for you to be in the right connect group um, in each season. We also want to give you an out in case um, <laughs> maybe that connect group that you jumped in the first time wasn't exactly a great fit. So there you have it. You have, a, you have an easy out at the end of 13 weeks. But this is, this is why we want to have new groups that will be starting and stopping at, at three different times a year that we will refer to as semesters. So we're going to jump in in March. We're going to go through May. We'll have a summer semester, which is going to look very different around here because we're a vacation. Um, we live in a beautiful area, and it's, it's time for like barbecues and going out on the lake and camping. And, and so small groups can look different at that time. Um, and then the, the fall semester. Um, third thing is everybody can jump in. Our hope is, is for every person at Destiny to be connected in a meaningful community, whether that means a connect group or a class or, or just, you know, harp and bowl on Tuesday nights or just sitting across from the coffee table with each other. Our hope is that everyone will be able to find a group or a class or, or something, some kind of relational pull that's going to be a great fit for you. So we're going to be introducing um, a brand new connect group online directory to make the, finding the right group for you easier to find. I made a little video last night to walk you through what that will look like on the site. So this has no audio, but just go ahead and fire that up. This is what it looks like, our homepage. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> um, you can go there. I'm just showing you. I'm just scrolling down the page for whatever reason. I made this like at 1030 last night, so forgive me. Um, you can listen. That's where you can go to listen to the messages, send for visitors that are first timers, get connected, the going deeper questions that go with each message. Now, always at the top, you'll find the head menu. And I want you to go down over to where it says plug in, which is right there. And under plug in is where you'll see our connect group and classes. You'll also see growth track. You'll see all the places you can plug in and serve in ministry. And you'll see places where you can subscribe and connect. I suppose I shouldn't stand up here where I'm getting in the way of everybody. There's also that button right there where you can apply to be a leader. Now I'm going to cl click on the connect groups and classes. I've already started filling in a bunch of our connect cr groups that are launching next um, month have already sent in their information. This is what the directory looks like. And on this page, you can search by a wide range of, of factors, uh, gender, season of life. Um, and there's connect groups, you'll see, a group of connect groups, which are kind of small group feeling. And then we've got classes, and we've got directories for both of those. So in just a second here, I'm going to click on connect groups. And here you'll see all the drop-down menus where you can search for the different groups um, by all those different factors, the seasons, the regularity, how often they meet, monthly, weekly, um, group, group attributes, like if they have food or if they have child care, if that's important to you, um, and groups that are for men or for, for ladies. Uh, if you click on one of those, it'll automatically filter uh, the search. Pretty cool feature. There's also an option where you can click on the map and see what's happening in your neighborhood. If you click on the little dots, you'll see the small groups that are going to be popping up all over the city and in different communities. Isn't that pretty cool? 
Uh, so we want to make it really, really, really easy for you to find and connect with the small group ministries. Those are, um, uh, you can see we've got plenty plugged in already. And I, and I even had one that submitted late last night that, uh, I mean, they keep on coming in. And so I'm, I'm super, super excited about this. So uh, you can always get to our, our group's directory. This is the next slide. Go ahead and just uh, click over to the next slide. You can just hit the space bar too. Yep. Yeah, there we go. You can, oh, one more, one back. One back. Just hit the back button. There we go. So Destiny, the, the online directory, you can always find it, you know, just by browsing to the plugin menu and go down to small groups, or you can always just find it if you just remember the forward slash groups. Go to our website and go to forward slash groups. There's also an app that makes it even, uh, you know, if you're the app type, if you like to do apps, all of our groups are going to be uh, searchable. They're already there. Um, the ones that we have in, you can download that app. Um, it's called Church Center. Just search it. It's available in the uh, Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, and uh, you'll find all the groups there as well. It's pretty cool. We want to make it super easy for you to plug in and find a good fit for you. The fourth thing, anyone can lead or host a group. And I guess I should say that a little bit loosely. The only thing that we ask is that you go through the Finding Your Destiny growth track and you become a member. If you're going to lead a group here, we want you to be a member of Destiny. But we believe that hosting a group is simple because we all have something to offer. Um, whether it's something that you're passionate about or an experience you've had that can help others or an area in which you're looking to grow. Um, hosting a group is a great, great way to bring people together. And so this is, this is kind of the message. This is what we've been, we're, we're, we're talking about all month. It's all about this. So you can even host a, a group simply around the going deeper questions. Um, some of you, have, uh, several of you have already subscribed to this. That's the next slide, please. The going deeper questions. You can find them at mydestiny.family forward slash deeper. Um, I think we've got, gosh, 30 people that already subscribed to these. These are questions, discussion questions that come out each week that um, will take you a little bit deeper from the messages that are preached here on Sunday morning. So it's great for a small group community. It's great for personal study. But man, you know, what an easy way. You can just get a group together, pray for each other, maybe share a little food. Do a little worship if, you're, if, you, if worship is your thing. Do a lot of worship if you're, you know, one of the regulars around here. And then you can, you can go deeper. You can just ask the questions around the group and say, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, what was shared on the stage from the pulpit on Sunday. And so, and yet that's such a simple thing, and yet meaningful relationships can happen through that. So super simple. Now, really quickly, do you want to see some of what's in the mix for March? I'm really excited about this. Do you want to see some of the classes and the groups that are there? Okay, really, really quickly, because I don't have a lot of time for this, but the first one, becoming an entrepreneur connect group, meeting um, uh, weekly, Wednesday evenings. All of these are already in the online directory and you can check them, uh, check them out. The next one, GEMS connect group, greet, eat, meet and share, meets monthly Sunday afternoons. Um, after the second service, this is kind of time to kind of get together over there in the office building after the second service. You can jump in there, uh, share a meal and share some time together. Of course, we, we talk about harp and bowl a lot around here. There's several of you that are already fiercely um, committed to that. That's a, I, I think that's a, just a powerful community over there on Tuesday nights, um, mixing worship and prayer over in the office building. The next one, McLife. That uh, meets monthly Saturday evenings off-site. Um, that's for 40-plus uh, married couples. 
Another one we've got is parenting for the non-nuclear family. Um, meets weekly, Thursday evenings off-site. I could say more about each of these, but again, just go to the online directory. You'll, you'll find out more information. Another one, women's mentoring group that is still kind of putting their schedule together, and several of our groups are still doing that. Um, you'll see that. Um, Alpha Course, you heard me talk about this last week. I am so, so, so personally excited about this one. Pastor Pam is leading this one. I talked about this. This is the one where there's, it's, a, it's a course that goes through all the foundational elements of being a Christian and what that means. So if you're a new believer, this is awesome. Even if you've been a believer for a long time, I did it with a group. I led this, uh, this last year, and it was, it was just amazing for me. Um, we had... This, this pulls in uh, non-believers. It's, it's uh, promoted very widely. We had somebody from the East Coast connect with us to get one of their friends who's not a believer come and attend this class with us this last time. So, so good. Um, I encourage you to do that. That's going to be meeting um, Sunday mornings during the first service um, for this first time. Um, and then the Financial Peace University is going to be launching um, next March, Wednesday nights on site over there in the office building. Of course, I've got to, got to mention, give a plug for my mind, the Finding Your Destiny growth track. That's happening every Wednesday night, the second, third, and fourth Wednesday nights. That's a good one. And then this one came in like at, I don't know, 10, 10.30 last night. I called it the yet-to-be-named group with hiking in high places. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to meet Saturdays and maybe other days, twice monthly. <laughs> and I'm so excited about that one. It's going to be so good. I'm actually, I'm very interested in that one. So, and of course, we have our amazing freedom recovery groups that meet, one for men with Pastor Lyle, one for women with Cheryl Carlton on Wednesday nights, and we have a great ladies group that meets Thursday mornings, and the men's, uh, the man-to-man -man Bible study that's right now meeting on Sunday nights, and all of those can be found on our online directory. You can uh, click on there, and you'll see a place to click the, the join buttons and uh, get involved in a community. So... I have one more thing before we fully jump in today, and I've got a quick commercial break for you. So I want you to go ahead and turn off the lights, guys, for this, please. Please make sure the audio is on. Watch this, and I'm going to be right back. You are looking at the finest specimen of exercise innovation in human history. Crafted from space-grade aluminium, packed with cutting-edge technology, it has everything you didn't even know you needed. Diamond grip surface for superior traction, real-time heart rate monitoring, voice-activated entertainment console, and our patent-pending Cloud9 suspension system that will make you feel like you're running on air. Plus, this versatile catch-all surface allows it to be transformed into open concept storage. The sturdy arm rails are perfect for a standard coat hanger, and there's enough surface space to air dry an average load of laundry, while doubling as a small child's jungle gym. With a variety of color options to match your home, it blends in so well, you'll forget it's even there. In fact, it's so spectacular, you won't even want to use it at all. And at the end of the day, you can sell it. Gently used. <laughs> all right. So, some of you guys were wondering, uh, what's up with the way that Pastor Sean is dressed? Some of you probably weren't because I barely dress up anyways. But... <laughs> 
So let's, let's begin with some quick confession this morning. I want to ask you, how many of you have ever used a piece of exercise machinery as something to hang a coat hanger on? Or some, okay, that's like everybody, okay. <laughs> Elliptical treadmills. And the others of you, the only reason you did this was because it was the only, it was, it was in a room where you didn't have any other place to hang the kangers, right? Is that correct? Is that, <laughs> that's the right. And so are you familiar with the subtitle that we're, we're going into this message today? Are you familiar with the phrase gently used? <sighs> gently used means I bought it brand new and it's almost still brand new because I didn't really use it. <laughs> <laughs> gently used. And did you know that the best deal of all time on gently used anything, and I mean the best deal, you can probably save hundreds and hundreds, maybe probably over a thousand dollars, is on gently used consumer grade fitness equipment. Right? Am I right? <laughs> this stuff is everywhere. And when I say gently used, I mean it's like, did anybody use this at all? And the answer is, eh, not really, <laughs> right? And so, in fact, some of you have sold fitness equipment that is in pristine condition, and the only thing is, is that you have cobwebs on it. You had to clean it up, and again, there were fingerprints on it from your kids because they were using it as a jungle gym, who hang on it and play on it. And the interesting thing about this consumer fitness equipment is that the original purchasers, and I'm guessing that there are some of you that are in this room, the original purchasers the, the, that purchased this stuff, why did we purchase it to begin with? Why did we purchase it to begin with? We purchased it because we were believers, right? We, we believed in fitness. We believed in exercise. We believed in getting our cardio in. We believed in health. And, and the reason, however, that this stuff is such a good deal and the reason it's gently used isn't that we didn't believe, is it? It's that we didn't actually use it. Because oftentimes when it comes to exercise equipment, people don't act on what they believe. And as you know, in the realm of health, whether it's nutrition or exercise, believing makes absolutely no difference when it comes to your health. Or, to put it another way, when you want to see fruit in your life. Believing doesn't help you at all. In fact, we probably all believe, basically, the same thing as it relates to our health and nutrition and exercise. We're probably all believers. We would say, yes, I believe in getting healthy and getting fit. But believing doesn't make any difference. <laughs> what makes a difference... What makes a difference? Doing. <laughs> Doing is what actually makes all the difference. In fact, how many of you, let's confess again, have exercised with a bad attitude? <laughs> Both hands up in the air, yes. You did not want to do it, and you just did it anyway. Yeah, that, you know, you, you can have a terrible attitude, and what happens? You, you cannot even believe it's doing any good at all, and what's the effect? It still does good, right? Because exercise is what makes a difference, not believing in exercise. So this is true in many areas of your life, and we're going to talk about one specifically in just a few minutes. But one of the things about exercise, tell me if this isn't true for those of you who actually exercise or who actually used to exercise, <laughs> is that it's harder to stay committed when you don't have a friend 
or a partner or a community to do it with. Is that true? So most experts would say that having a partner or community to exercise is, makes a big difference. So it's, it's so, it's, it's so much easier to talk yourself out of exercising, right? If there's nobody waiting on you. And, and for those of you that actually maybe you hired a trainer and you made an appointment, I mean, you know, there's somebody waiting there on you and you probably paid for that privilege. And so when it comes to a team sport, you're just more inclined to show up for practice. Why? Because accountability. There's accountability in that factor. When it comes to exercise and really everything in life, here's the second, Blake, accountability counts. So as you would have guessed, because of where we are today, these two dynamics, that believing doesn't make a difference when it comes to fruit and accountability counts, these two principles hold up in our faith journey as well. Every Christian, if you're a believer here today, every Christian believes. That's why, you know, in the New Testament, we're even referred to sometimes as believers. Why? Because if you're a Christian, there's something that we believe in. We rally around Jesus, our Savior. So, but the other thing that, that we know is, is that all believers don't actually act on what we say we believe. <laughs> and so just like with exercise, we believe what the New Testament teaches, and we believe what Jesus taught, and we believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, but we sometimes don't actually forgive when it comes to forgiveness, and we don't actually love our enemies and many have never been baptized, even though Jesus was super clear about that. Very few believers give generously the way Jesus talked about being generous. And it's very difficult for us oftentimes to actually put others first. And so I can go on and on and on and on, right, on things that we believe. If anybody attacks, you know, our faith and we'll be quick to defend them. But what Jesus says and what the New Testament emphasizes is it's not believing that makes the difference in our lives. It's what we do with what we believe. And if you have been around Destiny for some time or if you're brand new, here's something that you should know about us. We have never, from the beginning, been content to simply have people raise their hands and, and believe something. Now, salvation and believing and receiving Christ into your life is amazing. And we celebrate that here every week. But maturing in Christ together means acting on what we believe. And it's a, taking it a step you know, further. The New Testament word for that and the Jesus word for that is follower. We want to actually do the things that God shaped and crafted us to do. And so as many of us discovered, and as, as you're going to hear us say over and over, it's actually following Jesus, not simply believing in Jesus that will make your life better, more compelling to walk in the fullness of life that I like to talk about in John 10, 10, you know, but as we're going to discover today, and if you've been in church for a very long time, you've heard us say that it's so much harder to follow Jesus in isolation. So stop trying to do it all by yourself. This really is a team sport. This is an us. This is a we. In fact, the apostle Paul underscores Throughout scripture, the fact that this faith walk thing is a relational thing, and this isn't a solo thing. And if, if you go through all the letters of Paul, he gives us this list. He gives us a lot that he talks about the one another's. You ever hear those? And he, and he says, here's what it's like to act on your faith. Here's what it looks like to actually follow Jesus. Now listen to this. This is pulled from all his different letters. Look at this list. Forgive one another. Accept 
one another. Care for one another, right? You see all the one another's? Encourage one another. Submit to one another. Restore one another. Carry one another's burdens and bear with one another. So Paul would say, if you're a Jesus follower, this is what it looks like. To which you may be tempted to say, no. I thought, you know, if you were a follower of Jesus and you just went to church and you read your Bible and you prayed and tried not to be overly mean to anybody, I thought that was pretty much it. <laughs> and Paul's like, no, that's not it. That's trying to be a Christian solo. That's trying, it's trying to be a, a believer all by yourself. And clearly you can't do any of the one another's by yourself. The point being, it's not enough to believe it privately. You have to behave it publicly. It's not enough to believe it privately. You have to behave it publicly. Now, please hear me. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about works for salvation. I'm talking about walking in the fullness of all that God has for you. In that case, it's not enough to simply believe it privately. Because belief doesn't make any practical difference. Doing makes the difference. So what I want to do for a few minutes, I want to take you to a passage of scriptures in the New Testament book of Hebrews. We're going to go back to Hebrews again today. And we said last week that the book of Hebrews is, is not even really a book. It's more of a letter. It was written to the Jews who had converted to Christianity in the first century. And here's what he says in chapter 10, book of Hebrews. It says, we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. Now again, he's writing to the Jews. So, so when they see this terminology, they know exactly what he's talking about. The most high place, the holy of holies, at the center of the temple mount, where only the high priest was allowed to go. Nobody else was allowed to go there. And he's saying, now that we're Jesus followers, now that Jesus has come to replace the entire temple system, we have access, we have direct access without a priest to God. And then he goes on and he says this, for he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. The old and dead way was we had to sacrifice animals to make peace. And he's saying here that the final sacrifice has been made, so there's this new and life-giving way opened up through us through a curtain, but not the physical curtain that, that, that hung between the Holy of Holies and the outer courts. Everybody who read this or heard this in the first century, the Jews knew exactly what he was talking about. And he said, for just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. So he talked about the body of Christ, that since we have access to God through Christ, everything is very different. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, notice this is very vertical, and it's very just, just me and God language right here, right now. He says, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. So very, very vertical language. Me and God, very, very kind of eye to the sky right there. But then he pivots. And this is amazing. He says, so now wrap your heart tightly around. 
The NIV translation says here, let us hold unswervingly. So he says, wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. So all of a sudden, he's like, you know, he started out eye to the sky. We all have access to God. We can pray to God. We don't need a priest. We don't need the temple. It's a new day. But back here on planet Earth, let's make sure that we are faithful practically to the things that God has called us to do and living it out in this way. And then he says this, and he gets super specific. He says, discover. Some translations, uh, they say it this way. Some other ways to say discover. It says, give careful attention to. Let us look at carefully and let us explore well. Discover or give careful attention to. Let us look carefully or let us explore well. Okay? Discover what? Let's keep on reading. Discover creative ways to encourage. And there's the author's phrase, one another. And so he pivots from this invisible, I pray to God, I'm good with God, I have access to God, you know, through the intangible, to this doable and very highly, highly relational phrase. And he says, discover creative ways to encourage others. Some translations say, spur on. You ever heard that before, to spur on? It's so interesting. Remember what encourage um, means in the original language? We talked about this a little bit last week. He says, he's basically saying here, in your relationships with other believers, in your relationships with the church, in your relationship with the people that you know that are doing their best to follow Jesus, I want you to stir each other up. I want you to maybe sometimes irritate each other. I want you to provoke each other. These are some of the phrases that we talked about last week that encourage uh, a means in the original language. I want you to be in each other's lives to the point where you, when you see a friend that's drifting, you have access to that friend. You have access to talk to them. And when you see that couple struggling, you have access to that couple. When you see that friend's son begin to drift and the dad doesn't know what to say and mom doesn't know what to say, you have access to their son because you've been in relationship. You've been in the circle. So I want you to be in relationship to each other in such a way that you're able to encourage each other. This is what he's saying here. Spur each other on positively and even if at times, maybe in a hard way. Tough love. I want you to be in each other's lives to encourage each other. Very, very, very relational. In other words, it's his way of saying, okay, this is great, prayer is great, and this clear conscience is great, and the fact that you don't need a high priest or a temple to pray anymore, that's great. But it's not just this. He says there is a horizontal piece in all of this that is absolutely critical to your faith. Absolutely critical that you need one another. But to what end? To encourage each other. Well, to what end? (laughs) He says this towards something very, very practical. He says, acts of compassion and doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is belief in action, or as Pastor Patricia so beautifully shared last year, that's love in action. You see it right here in this verse. And it's us doing it together. This is his way of saying, look, you've got the exercise bike, you need to get on it. It's not just a piece of furniture that you have in the bedroom to hold 
and dry your clothes. You have an exercise bike and you need to get on it. Don't just have it sitting in the family room. You need to get on the elliptical. Don't just keep it in the basement. You need to get on that treadmill. You need to get on that stair climber and climb some, <laughs> and climb some stairs. You need to actually do something because owning in it, just owning it and believing in health and exercise and all that good stuff is not doing anything for you. I don't know if you knew that. And more than simply knowing, you know, you know what, I can pray to God, I have a clear pathway to God. What, what, what the writer is saying here, the author of Hebrews says, it says, okay, that's great, but what are you doing? Because it's doing that makes all the difference. And chances are you're not going to do very much if you don't have someone in your life spurring you on and encouraging you to make progress so that you're actually forgiving, not just thinking, well, I probably should forgive them. <laughs> right? That you're actually apologizing to her think, well, you know, I probably should apologize. That you really are others first as opposed to, well, you know, I just I shouldn't be so selfish. <laughs> right? And, and then the author of Hebrews, he gets way up in our business. And in my business, in this next phrase, when you read it, it's sort of like, hey, how did he know? Like he says this. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some of you have formed the habit of doing. Now, preachers, we like to use this verse to say everybody needs to come to church and sit in rows. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you hear that verse for a lot of times. But I don't even think that's what the author of Hebrews is talking about here, based on what he's already said and what he's going to say next. The author of Hebrews is saying that you can't afford to stop meeting together in such a way that you're able to encourage each other. Because if you're not in community with other believers where you're spurring each other on and where you're in each other's lives or where you're encouraging each other, there's, a, there's an emptiness there. There's a deficit. And there's something missing that it may actually eventually impact your faith. Like we talked about last week, if you were here. So he would say to those of us who feel like, oh no, I can be the Lone Ranger believer. I can, I can be the Lone Ranger follower. I can be the Lone Ranger Christian. I don't need the church. I don't, I don't need other people. I don't need to be in relationships with people who have access to me. But the author of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul, and Jesus himself would not agree. This is a one another thing. And you don't ever mature past the point of needing one another. Can I say that again? You don't ever mature past the point of needing other people in your life. And by the way, there's some more one another's that need you as well. There's people that need you as well, not just you need them. Or to say it succinctly, there is a divinely designed correlation between community and faithfulness. There is a divinely designed correlation between community or being in community, not just sitting in rows, but being in circles face to face and faithfulness to God for a couple of reasons. One, we already know. In fact, for some of you, you know, it's, it's been your story. You drifted away from faith. And if you were to tell your story of how you drifted away from faith, isn't it true that those stories that we've seen that the, the, you began to drift when you began to drift away from people, people of faith. 
Isn't that how it always starts? You know, suddenly they, maybe they got on your nerves and you're like, I'm out of here. Or you moved to a new city and you didn't find a church. Or, you know, the next thing you know, you know, you're just not surrounded by people of faith. And then you see yourself just begin to drift. And so at first you thought, oh, it's okay. I'm going to read my Bible. I can, you know, I can watch the, the pastors preach on YouTube or listen to the podcast and the sermons. But over time, your, la- your lack of relational connection to other believers begins to impact what you believe. But the other thing that's going on here as well, and this is even, I think, even more compelling, is at the end of Jesus' ministry, he met with his guys to kind of give them this farewell address. Not the Great Commission, but before he was crucified. And he was in the upper room, and he's giving them all of this information, and he covers all this stuff. I mean, it's in the Gospel of John, and it kind of goes on and on. He's talking about a lot of stuff. And he starts talking about the fact that he's leaving, but he's coming back, and it's, and it's confusing. I mean, even when, when we read it, it's kind of like if we were sitting in the room that night, it would be like, you know, Jesus, you're kind of going too fast. I need to catch up on all this. But he has a lot to cover, and he is covering it. So Philip, one of his disciples, interrupts him, and he says, okay, and these, are, these, are, these are my words, um, but you can read it for yourself in the book of John. But basically, what Philip says, he says, Jesus, okay. All that's good, but just show us the Father. (laughs) This is so great, he says. And he says, Jesus, just show us the Father, and that is going to be enough. And, you know, so what's happening there? In other words, what he's saying is, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. This is confusing. I mean, you're going, and and then you're coming, and then you're going to prepare a place for us. But, you know, we can't go. (laughs) It's confusing, but we're going to go later, and then, okay, well, whatever. We rarely understand what you're saying anyways, but just show us God, and if you'll just show us God, that's enough. That's what he's saying. If you'll just show us God, and Jesus looks at Philip, and what does he say? You remember? He says, Philip, guys, have I not been with you long enough that you recognize who I am? And then Jesus makes this statement. He makes a statement, and everybody should have probably got up and left the room when he said this. Because this is, I mean, this is one of those, the most, if, if you're talking about upsetting some religious people, this is one of the most blasphemous, crazy things that he could have said. He said, guys, if you have seen me, and I'm going to let you finish this verse for me. If you have seen me, you've seen what? The Father. The Father. Now, we just read right by that, like, that's so cool. No, the, they, they should have gotten up and left the room when he said that. And, and here's what Jesus was saying. He said, guys, in this life that we're living right now, I am as close as you will ever get to seeing or understanding this, the Godhead in the room with you. And if you look past me, he even went on to say, you're looking past God, right? Remember this? And he says, if you stop short of me, you're stopping short of God. And, and if I am as clear of a picture as you will ever get of seeing and understanding my Father, Father God. And so then Jesus is crucified. He raises from the dead. He commissions the church. And he leaves. And the Apostle Paul, he comes along and he says this. Oh, yeah? By the way, guys, the actual physical body of Jesus is gone. But the church, you, us, are the body of Christ. Now, Sean, it's, it's, it's not me. 
It's not you. It's not Cain. It's not Matthew. It's not Philip. We together, collectively, are the body of Christ. In other words, and you may not like this, <laughs> you may not even believe this, but read it in the New Testament. We collectively, we, the one another's in this room, we are as close as we get to our Father in heaven. We are as close as we get to Jesus here on earth. We're it. In fact, Jesus would say in one of his most incredible, incredible stories and parables, he would say there's going to be a time where you have an opportunity to take care of each other. And those of you who take care of each other, he said, it's going to be like you took care of me. And we'll say, but wait a minute, Jesus, when did we see you in prison? And when did we see you naked? And when did we see you needing food? And when did we see you in, in, in distress? And Jesus will say, as you did to each of these, my brothers and my sisters, it's like you were doing it to me. So, oh, you mean, so the way that we treat each other is like an indicator of how we relate and how we treat you? Jesus says, yes, because you are my body. See, the moral of the story for us is if you, if I, if we, if we isolate, if you isolate yourself from the body of Christ, and if you isolate yourself from the church, you will eventually feel isolated from the Father. And this is why some people have left the church, and this is why some of you are coming back after being away, and your story is a story of isolation. You slowly got isolated from the body of Christ thinking, well, I can continue to believe what I believe even, you know, if I'm not around other believers, I can continue that. And lo and behold, time went on and you stopped believing. And there might not even be a logical explanation to it, but as your father in heaven would say, he says, I can explain it. Because when you isolate yourself from the body, you begin to isolate yourself from the potential of faithfulness to me. Because I can be found where two or more are gathered, right? So this is a big deal. If we abandon community, if we abandon the one another's in this room, and, you know, chances are we'll eventually abandon our faith. But you know what happens in community? Faith comes alive in community. It flourishes. How are you doing? I'm flourishing. Remember that message? Got to put our roots down deep. Why? Because community is where you see faith working and where you're challenged to work out your faith, right? And if you're not in community, intentional community with other believers, you will become, dare I say it, self-centered, self-focused, and short-sighted. Hearing a person's story is what brings people together, isn't it? Have you ever experienced that? You hear someone's story and it's like you see them in a new light for the first time. It's like, oh, now I'm beginning to understand you. And this is what community is and this is what the body of Christ is. And in the first century church, it was amazing because, you know, men 
And can you believe it? Women who were in a very different place culturally in the time, slaves, slave owners, free men, rich, poor, children, they would all come together in what they called ecclesia. And what they had in common wasn't money or wealth or power or prestige or gender or rank. What they had in common was Jesus. And it was so unusual and it was so powerful and it was so pleasing to our Father God. And that hasn't changed. And this is why the author of Hebrews says, I can't believe it. He says, some of you have stopped meeting together with other believers. What are you thinking? You can't do this solo. <laughs> this was divinely designed to be a one another thing. So back to the author of Hebrews. Here's how he concludes the passage. He says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting each other as some of you have formed the habit of doing. And here's the contrast. We should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. So he says, every single believer, no matter how strongly you believe, you need to be in relationships where you are encouraged and other people are encouraging you. What does it mean to encourage? Another way to say it is this. A friend gave this to me this week. It's to instill courage in somebody. Why? Because it takes courage to live out our faith in the marketplace, right? It takes courage to live out your faith in the neighborhood. It takes courage to live out your faith at school. It takes courage to live out your faith when you're at a family gathering and when the people in your family are a little bit hostile towards your faith. It takes courage. So courage for what? Courage to do something. Courage to do something. Not to believe something, but to do the hard thing sometimes. To do the selfless thing, to do the generous thing sometimes. So the author of Hebrews says, come on, put yourself in community with other believers so that you have an opportunity to be encouraged when you need it. And so you can be encouraged when you don't even want it. So let me just pull all these verses together real quick and we'll be wrapping it up here. But here's what it says. It says, so now talking to us, Wrap your heart tightly around. It says, hang on tight to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. In other words, God's going to do his part. What's our part? Here's our part. Discover creative ways to encourage each other and to motivate them, to motivate us towards acts of compassion. Because God has a role and we have a role. And we are all part of a body. And just as our body parts take care of each other, all the other body parts, so in Christ we are part of a body. And, and we are to take care of one another. And part of taking care of one another is, we'll continue reading, encouraging others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion. And he goes on, he says, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. 
eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day. So here's my question or a few questions for us as we're kind of wrapping up this time this morning. Is anyone outside of your family spurring you on to live your faith? Is there anyone in your life, is there a group of people in your life that are encouraging you when you need it? Encouraging you when you're not sure you even want it? Does anyone have permission is another big question. Is there a setting? Is there a context where these kind of things come up naturally and comfortably because you've provided, you've given access? Does anybody have permission? Have you, perhaps, like some of the people in the first century, here's another one, have you given up meeting together? Have you ever met together? Or has your entire Christian experience pretty much been sitting in rows, listening to a talking head? <laughs> Come and hear two or three songs, one of which you like, the others are, you know, you're kind of daydreaming through those. And then somebody gets up and they ask for money and that's the whole thing. <laughs> Have you ever been in a circle? There's so much more than, this is just the tip of the iceberg, what, what happens in this room. Circles are better than rows. That was kind of our big idea last week. Face to face is better than shoulder to shoulder. And I say it because I absolutely believe it. Because what can happen in circles are things that generally don't happen in this room. We can hide pretty well when we're sitting in this room. So let's not be content to just believe. I want us to act on what we believe. Maybe even in a connect group. <laughs> That's my encouragement, you know, where you will be challenged to act on what you believe. You'll be encouraged to act on what we talk about here in our community. When I have that Connect Group leaders meeting next week, part of the challenge for each semester is that if you have a Connect Group, you're going to do something together that is an act of compassion, that's going to be an, an act of service together. You're going to love other people, even outside of your circle. Every semester that we get Connect Groups together, that's going to be part of it. So you'll be encouraged to act on what we just talk about in here, in your community. And whatever God is saying to our house is kind of where the rubber meets the road. You walk out of here and you probably forget what I say five steps out the door. <laughs> but to sit down with a group of people and to have to process it, that's where life change can happen. That's why circles are better than rows. And I don't, here, just being honest, I know that you don't have time to do it. It's kind of like you don't have time to exercise. That's why some of you don't exercise, right? My schedule is too full, I can't fit it in. But you know, you wish you did. And do you know, you know it, in your mind, you believe it, that you would be better off if you did it. And for those of you who've prioritized exercise, you know you've given up some things in order to exercise. Because why? Because it's good for you. 
Now, real quick, I want you to add up in your mind all the things that you did instead of exercising over the past 12 months. Just add them up. All the things that you did instead of exercise. What does it come out to? I'll help you. It comes out to nothing. You have nothing to show for the hours that you did not exercise. <laughs> but you would have something to show if you did. And the same is true for getting face-to-face -face time, for getting in circles. If you add up all the hours or if you add up all the things that you did instead of committing some time you know, to getting together every month or to meeting in a connect group and you put all those activities together, you would have virtually nothing to show for it. But if you will commit to a circle, if you will commit to face-to-face, -to -face, if you will commit to being in a connect group, if you will take a risk, because I know it's a risk, take a chance to meet some new people and be a little vulnerable and to tell your story, at the end of that, my guess is that you'll have something to show for it. And what many of you will have to show for it are some of the finest people you've ever met in your life. And some of your best friends, maybe for some of you. So let's get on the elliptical, church, because it's time to work out. You have a faith in God, and we want to help you exercise your faith. Would you stand with me this morning? <laughs> Father God, we're just so thankful for your word and for your challenge to us this morning and for who you are. God, as we talked about last week, God, we need each other or that drift starts to happen. But we also need each other because when we have each other, we instill courage in each other to walk out boldly in what you've called and shaped us to do. So I believe so much in what happens here on Sunday mornings. I do. I really love it. I love the Sunday morning gathering and singing songs together, the, the, the ministry and the life change that can happen in this room. But God, Lord, I just, we want everything that you have for us. We don't want to hold back. And so instead of knowing what we believe, I pray that you'll take it a step further with us and we just get on the exercise bike and do the things that you're calling us to do. And we need each other to do that. Somebody who's waiting for us to dig into the Bible. And so it's far, far harder to just excuse ourselves out of a time of going deeper with you. Someone who's waiting on us to dig deeper into what you've spoken to us on the weekend. And so it's, 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 it's part of our routine people who are coming together to worship and pray and it's, so there's no excuses I'm, I'm, it's just part of, part of who you've made me to be in the community that you've, that you've put me in so Lord bind us together bind us together this is all about us this is about the one and others in the room it's not about me it's about us Lord I, I thank you for this body I thank you for this body of Christ Lord, help us to live like we believe and move and act and respond because of who you've called us and created us to be this morning.
God, speak to us deeply this morning. Let it, let it not just be words that escape us as we walk out the doors this morning. God, we believe it and we receive it. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Yeah, and if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've been here, there's, there's, there's a reason that you're here this morning. I believe that uh, God has purpose for you to be in this room this morning. We want to pray and we want to believe with you this morning. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up real quickly? I want to pray with you. All right, let's all pray this together. Father God, thank you for making me, for crafting me, for shaping me, for forming me with a purpose. Thank you for dying for me and giving me new life. I surrender my life to yours. All that I am is yours. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, let's celebrate. Thank you, God. All right. Well, let's go out there and be us. Call to this community, to this, this world that we live in. Let's do this thing. Amen.